Hey everyone, it's Pete here from Arc Remote Coaching. So today's episode is going to be the first in a series of four episodes with Alicia Schmeld, who is a registered psychologist and has a strong background in performance psychology. Now this episode in particular, we're going to focus on women in strength training, as well as Alicia's own experiences in competing in a powerful competition on the other side of the world, pretty much at the drop of a hat. In the subsequent episodes, we'll get into more of the performance psychology sort of aspects of training. So without further ado, let's talk to Alicia about her experiences and perceptions of women in strength training. It's Pete Darling from ARC Remote Coaching Radio, and today's podcast episode, we've got a special guest, uh, Alicia who's a psychologist. Anyway, without me rambling, uh, Alicia, how about you introduce yourself and a bit about your background? Um, thanks, Pete. Uh, yeah, so my name's Alicia Schmeld. I'm a registered psychologist. Uh, I've been a psychologist for about 10 years and I've worked in quite a few different areas. I'm clinically trained, but I also have a strong interest in performance psychology and positive psychology. Um, and I have been in the Australian Defence Force as a psychologist, so I've done a lot of that work as well. Um, and I'm also now getting more into the space of um, drug and alcohol addiction. But I'm someone who loves to lift, and so because of that, I like to look at the psychology of that. Um, and it's, yeah, I don't know what else to say. You're going to have to edit that. No, I, I don't edit podcasts. It'll make the, um, the audio sound a little better if it's choppy. Um, yeah, that's just how I roll. Okay. So, um... Really keen though to talk to you today about your experience, you know, as a woman in strength training, and then you know how you got into it, sort of your perceptions of it, any sort of obstacles and challenges. Um, is that a question? Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so I first probably got into strength training. I think like a lot of women get into strength training, which was through gym classes, like body pump classes and stuff, like, and body attack and all those Les Mills things that I've not done in years now um and that would have been showing my age but like sort of the mid mid late 2000s um and I did cardio but I did cardio because I was a young woman and I thought that that's what you did when you went to the gym and then I went to these classes and I just really enjoyed this idea of you know doing more weights and pushing the weights up and seeing what my body was capable of but I would say the culture around women in strength training has changed a lot in that, let's say, let's say 10, 15 years. And I still remember being in one of those classes like body attack and we were doing just, you know, shoulder press. And this was like hit training. This was not strength training, but we're doing shoulder press. And I picked up these dumbbells that I like vividly remember these gray nine kilo dumbbells. And I remember the instructor actually saying to me, Oh, you don't want to use those. You'll get too big and bulky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I think now we, we say that shit like as a joke, like that anyone would ever think that. But that's, that was literally the paid instructor of the gym said that to me. And I remember even at like a younger, more impressionable age in my head being like, well, who cares if I get bigger and bulkier? Like, why is that a bad thing? Um, I could yeah. not agree more. Um, <laughs> the, the sad thing I think is that there's still that lingering perception in some people, like it's changing and yeah. like uh, strength sports, but have done a lot. But in reality, like the biggest tip of the hat, I think has to go to CrossFit who yeah. has actually normalized the idea that being strong as a woman and looking strong as a woman 
um, is fucking excellent. Yeah. And it, it, it's something to be encouraged. Um, but there's still, I think, this residual perception in some people that um, I've seen it from female clients I've had in the past when I worked at a gym and even some online clients that are concerned that oh, if I don't want to get too bulky. Um, you know, that they think they're going to turn into what they see as these jacked, and I mean jacked in terms of steroid, dope, yeah. female, elite bodybuilders, probably from the 80s that were on a juice, um, or East German swimmers from the 1970s who were unknowingly yeah. doped yeah. Um, without the, you know, relevant level of testosterone to actually achieve that. Yeah. All the Ooh. genetics, all the yeah. training experience, all calories i would say because a lot of these women want to eat in a calorie deficit but then i'm like i'm afraid i'm going to get bigger and you're like well you're just not going to get bigger like even if you train like hard you're not going to get bigger yeah i find that body image thing is pretty interesting and i think it's still an obstacle to a lot of women getting stronger and you know the evidence that is in probably the most useful thing you can do to improve your quality of life as you age is strength training as a woman. And that's looking at not just muscles and connective tissue, but bones. Yeah. Like bone density is just a thing that, you know, it's relevant to everyone. But you know, if you're a woman, you do strength training, like the chances or the, the consequences of things like osteoporosis reduce significantly. But it's this bullshit attitude of <laughs> don't yeah. get bulky yeah. is still holding some people back. I don't know. I, I find it interesting. I think it, I think perhaps men, and, and maybe this is this is a generalisation, but I think men, once they get to a certain age, have more of a base knowledge of, of strength in some ways than what women have because of just conversations that I had, whereas so, some women don't realise that, like, to get bigger, you would actually need to be consciously eating more. Yep. So, like, an example I, I would give, and this is purely anecdotal, um, is, like, I have a friend who's recently started to get more into training now. She likes, um, like, yoga and Pilates and things like that. And she sent me a picture. She was really proud. She could see a bit of definition in her arms. Um, and, and I was like, oh, you know, that's that's so awesome, et cetera. And she's like, oh, yeah, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know whether I could get to look like your arms, which, you know, if anyone that has my Instagram knows that I'm constantly trying to make my arms as thick as my waist. Um, and I, I sort of had to say to her, like, but you, you're eating in a, in a calorie deficit. Like every time I'm trying to make my arms bigger, my, I'm eating more than my body actually needs to do it. And I'm, it's hard to maintain it as a woman, like, in some ways, I think that idea of, as, as you said, this perception of body, like I'll look like a 1987 bodybuilder or I'll look like, you know, a German swimmer, I think in some ways that actually really um, doesn't doesn't give credit to the amount of training that those women had to do to be that big. There's this idea of like, oh, I'll, I'll lift my nine kilo dumbbell once and I will have shoulders like Arnie and Predator. Like it's not going to happen. Yeah, and that is, yeah, not a slight against any like, you know, elite female bodybuilders like they work their ass off to do that um and they're already starting with a good genetic base the right attitude years of training so to, to actually do that is near impossible but they do it because they're some of the few that, that are that dedicated like yeah your set of 10 bicep curls <laughs> with some dumbbells is not going to cause that at all and I, I think as well there's um maybe maybe some women just because of Instagram and the way people post pictures, they don't realise that, like, when you see a very, very lean, very muscular woman, there's probably, like, at least five years of strength training behind that. Like, she didn't do a 12-week program and go from, like, skinny fat to, to ripped in 12 weeks. Like, um, And I just think that's 
that's to do with how we can how how women in particular consume media about fitness sometimes and sometimes it's not necessarily through experts and then uh, and that brings up the point like the, the magnitude of adaptations from training are, are really slow and incremental and and this is, a, I remember a conversation I had at the gym once with a client who was like, oh, if I do strength training, I'm just going to get huge. And I don't want to get huge. And I'm like, well, the best thing about strength training is you can just stop. Yeah. You're not going to wake up going from being tiny to a she-hulk overnight and go, shit, I shouldn't have done that bicep curl, that bench press or that squat. Oh, my God. You're only going to see really small changes. And then if you reach an ideal, you know, your perception of an ideal, the limit, then you can just not add more weight and just maintain that limit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. You push very hard to keep growing, especially in upper body as a woman. Right? And, uh, and it only gets harder to get better as you get more experienced. The law of diminishing returns, like, you know, your stress response reduces over time. And yeah, I, it, it's amazing. But... I, I think there's like I, I think there's probably like you could almost draw like a year a year line of year of birth and you'll see a difference in how women view strength training because I definitely find that like sort of some women my age-ish and older still very much have this idea of like um, you know if I strength train I get big or things like that but there's also this thing that I've heard a few people say which is if you stop strength training your muscle turns to fat which is hilarious because you're like it's just different cells people like this isn't <laughs> it's not alchemy yeah, like this, this can't happen. It's not leading to gold. What is happening? Um, but I think there is that perception of like, yeah, I'll get big and then I'll stop training. It's like, well, no, if you just, as you say, if you just stop training, eventually your muscles will just go. Yeah. Sad. Um, but it won't feel bad unless you keep eating the same amount that you were eating to fuel that muscle. Yeah. Um, it's pretty... but I, think, I think that, yeah, it is just perhaps more that there's, there's been less talk about that in female-centric circles and so there's still some like lack knowledge about it. But uh, if you hop on social media, though, because I love social media, as you know, I know you do too, but there is this massive trend of just, it's all about booties now. (laughs) That is like, I find really interesting, and you look back to the 90s and even early 2000s, like that was not the case, you know, from a, a Western cultural point of view, like sort of health and fitness goals related to being slim and thin, then it's just become... Now it's all about having a massive peach. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was grateful that, like, suddenly legs were in. I was like, oh, my God, I was teased for these beefy thighs for, like, 22 years, and now suddenly people are messaging me asking me how I got my quad so big, and I have to reply and be like, hot chips, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, it just happened. I, I did a bicep curl once, and then yeah. overnight. I squatted down in front of the fridge to pick something up, and boom. Um. But what I find even more interesting, because we're talking about performance, is um, I think the perception of like body ideals versus what actual performance outcomes are and how they're not necessarily what a lot of people think they are. Yeah. Um, and I think that idea even of strength is oh, if you're big, you're strong. And that's like a large bodybuilding style sort of influence where anyone who has had any involvement in strength sports knows that being large and muscular does not necessarily make you capable of high force production. Um, there, there's a there's a significant nervous system contribution, and yeah, otherwise weightlifters and powerlifters would all look like bodybuilders. But yeah. hot tip: a whole bunch of them don't, and there's probably a good reason for that. 
Oh, I, I definitely just in myself see that because I tend to alternate between I'll do like sort of three or four months of the year in like bodybuilding style training and then I'll do like three or four months of the year in more dynamic and like big lifts and things like that. And I, it's funny because it's when I'm doing the bodybuilding style stuff, I lose all my strength, but that's when people comment on how strong I look because, you know, my delts come out more and you can see more definition. And then when I'm actually like like really doing like kind of heavier stuff and, you know, getting PBs and things, I kind of just look bigger in my clothes and part of that is because I just I build traps like if I think about it I build traps and so anything I wear looks bigger yep and yeah it's that idea that aesthetics you know does not equal athletics yeah uh, is a way I like because it almost rhymes um but yeah perception of what someone thinks you know you know is fit versus you know that's suitability conducts some sort of physical task versus what actually is 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 not the same thing um and, and that's why I think like strength sports especially there are some extremely strong women that you may not think are that strong and then you see what they can do and it's phenomenal yeah and that's you know crossfit that's weightlifting powerlifting strongman and there's a few other things out there as well but they're sort of the big four um and you see especially like it's sort of growing a bit in australia but in the u.s there's like a lot of interest in female weightlifting is like really growing and mm-hmm. There are like 71 kilo female lifters that can outlift me by a long shot. <laughs> and I'm not even mad. I think it's great. Yeah. And, and they don't look like these massive hulks. They look athletic. Um, they, they look like women. They're not yeah. like East German swimmers. Yeah. But they are strong as fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's funny you say that of like that they look like women because I think there is this perception of like you'll build muscle and you'll look you'll look mannish or whatever. But most most women when they start strength training, they if especially slimmer women, they actually kind of give themselves curves. Like they give them more shape, they give themselves like nicer, more shapely legs and butts and yeah, it's quite interesting. I'm like actually I think especially for smaller women, they can it can make them look even more stereotypically feminine. Yeah, that's a good point. Like the stereotypical ideal of what a woman looks like, you know, you think about that hourglass figure and it's like it's not just about having a small waist, it's about having a thick back. Yeah. And having some hips, which is arse and legs. Yeah. <laughs> um excuse my crudeness. Um, I'll allow it. Uh, I'll allow it. But um but I do find that interesting as well, um, talking about that sort of topic of what someone's ideals of what a woman woman should look like. And, you know, I use it rather loosely. Like, it, it's it's whatever. Like, there's a variety of shapes and, you know, different body types and heights and weights. They're all women. But I just think there's this stereotypical male bodybuilder view that I think women are scared of. Yeah. And not all, just some. I think if, like, because obviously we are in circles with people who like to train, and so perhaps we would admire the aesthetics of, of somebody yep. fit. But there is definitely still, like, pressure on women that if, like, if they want to get into training but their partner doesn't train or, say, they, the people that they're interested in don't train, there's definitely still pressure around, like, you, there's external people saying don't get too big, don't get too strong, like, the number of guys that I don't even know that have said to me things like, you'd be prettier if you were less muscular or you're perfect as you are, but don't get any bigger. Like, and that's guys that I don't know that just feel that they can comment about that in the gym or on Instagram. Like, so I think there is, there is a weird amount of like the public sometimes feels that it owns women's bodies in a way that it really doesn't. And that it has a say in women's bodies in a way that it really doesn't. And for some women, they're still 
while they're still developing their identity, they take that on board of like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be not appealing to the masses, basically. Mm, but um, all those guys sound like fuckwits anyway. Well, yeah, I, mean, I have to say, there's never been a guy that said that that I've actually thought, like, for me was physically appealing. So it's it's always interesting where I'm like, I, I, I'm not even trying to appeal to you. I don't understand why you would think that this is appropriate. Yeah. Um, and why, yeah, I do find that weird um, why people, especially men, think they can determine and give that advice. Um, but, I, I mean, I've got it for other things too. I've got you'd be pretty if you didn't have tattoos and things like that. Like, it's just like, I don't know. I don't care what you think, random man in public. Please don't offer your opinion on me. Yeah, um, that's messed up. <laughs> yeah. That's a topic for another podcast. That's definitely like another two hours worth. Um, but on that, because you know, I, you know, as you know, I, I have a daughter. Um, yeah. She's two, going on three, and I taught her how to lift. Not because I wanted to, although I did want to. It was because she showed interest in. She saw me doing it, and like a kid. She wanted to do it as well and uh, mimic and imitate what I was doing. So at 18 months, I got her to do a deadlift and a clean high pull. And I managed to get her to do a clean and jerk with a plastic dowel once. <laughs> Trying to get her to snatch now. But, uh, <laughs> and, you know, and my son, like he's, you know, oh, he just turned uh, eight months the other day. Um, so, you know, hopefully, I hope that he has the same thing when he's like a little better in a year's time that he shows interest. So I can do that with him as well. But um, yeah, what are, what are your thoughts, your advice with encouraging you know, either girls or women um, when it comes to things like strength training or just training in general? Like, what words of wisdom or thoughts do you have? Oh, that feels like a lot of pressure. Um, no I mean, pressure. I, I think the big one that I have because I have I've got like I would say a very diverse social group of like I'm a lot of my close friends are very into lifting but a lot are not especially physical and and are getting getting into sports now at late ages so I always sort of say you have to do what you enjoy um so like if I've got you know a friend like I said that friend with Pilates and yoga I don't say to her come and do deadlifts with me yep Um, but you've got to do what what you enjoy and not about it's got to be about physically how you feel and about making improvements with that not about putting the focus on what it looks like because so often women are socialized that exercise is something you do to get a certain outcome in terms of aesthetics Um, and for a start it doesn't work because the the link isn't there like they think oh I need to do this to look like that but it doesn't match anyway but also because there's so much more to do with that like you may never have that frame like I'm tall but I've got relatively short legs and a long torso so there's certain like aesthetically I'm not going to look a certain way but if I work my ass off, I can be getting stronger each day or I can be doing certain things. So I'd sort of say to people to put a focus on that. Um, but generally with women, a big thing that I say, not just with strength training, but is don't be afraid to take up space in life. Like it's okay to be tall. It's okay to stand up straight. It's okay if you're the person on public transport taking up space because often women are sort of socialised to be small and quiet. And then that, that actually transfers to the gym. And I noticed this the other day because, as you know, I go to a Globo gym. I won't say which one because we don't want to get sued. Yep. Um, but, Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually noticed it in there. So I'm often one of the few women in the weights area. And what I find is that so I see women and they actually come into the weights area and they get weights and they take them back out into the stretching area yep. so they don't have to do it. And there's no mirrors in the stretching area. Yeah. Um, 
And I'm like, that's really a shame. And it also is a stuff around for them because they're having to go back and forth and back and forth. That's a pain in the ass. Yeah, and I think part of that is, potentially part of that is they don't, they don't like the, the idea that maybe someone's going to look at them or something like that. But it's also there's, there's like a little bit of fear of taking up that space. And then because when there are sometimes other women in there, what will happen? And I saw this like literally on Wednesday, someone had set up one of the one of the racks and she was about to do squats and they, you know, they were relatively like for that area, they were relatively light squats, but she wanted to use the barbell in the rack because she's like, you know, not clean enough or anything. Um, and so she's, she's done it, but she didn't have like, she kind of was like just kind of off to the side. She didn't have a towel there. She's, she's not taking up much space and she's not being a presence. And so some guy has just come in and just started using the rack. Oh. Uh, and then she, and I've just seen it. She's just kind of looked at him and then just got her stuff and just went and set up somewhere else. And I think it's that women are like, they sometimes feel like, I should say we, I am, I am a woman. <laughs> we can sometimes feel like we're not welcome in certain spaces. And so because of that, we don't, we're not entitled to take up space there. But really it's like, you've got to learn, get in there, put your shit everywhere, make a lot of noise. Like I kind of, it's, it's almost like a production, but it's also like me going, no, this is my rack. This is my bench. Like don't take this. Or when someone goes to do it, which happened to me the other day, going over and going, oh, sorry, man, I'm actually working there. You can work in with me. Mm. And just like owning the space because there's no reason that men own these spaces. Um, yeah. And most guys, like that guy who he was sorry, he hadn't noticed, and he's like, yeah, sure, I'll work in with you. Like people aren't dicks. It's just that they're like women are being quite submissive sometimes in those environments. Arc Remote Coaching offers individualized strength and conditioning coaching for you as an individual anywhere in the world. If you're looking to optimize your physical performance for a field sport, if you're a tactical athlete, if you're a performing artist, or if you have a high intensity hobby where you need to be in the best physical shape, get in touch. Check us out at www.arcremotecoaching.com and have an accredited strength and conditioning coach assist you in optimizing your performance when it counts. We offer individualized programming coaching delivered directly to your smartphone so you can access me, your strength and conditioning coach, receive constructive feedback, including video review to make sure that you're performing at your best. Arc Remote Coaching, have me, your strength and conditioning coach in your pocket anywhere, anytime. And uh, the gym I used to work at back in 2014, it had a women's only area. So only women were allowed there, except as a trainer, I was allowed to go through there. Um, and I found that interesting. So they had sort of older equipment and it was in there, but a lot of women used that area Yeah. Um, for that reason. But the problem was it wasn't on the main gym floor. So they're isolated, which, you know, gives them confidence. But then you go in there and you see some really poor form and technique. Whereas the main gym, everyone could see it. And, you know, you, you see someone doing like a squat that, that doesn't look quite right. You'd happily go over and help them. But there's this little area that's self-contained, you're giving them confidence. And the issue is, it's like, well, you want to help people in a gym, like whether they're paying you or not as a coach or a trainer, you still want to help someone out. Yeah. Um, I just found it really bizarre. And then the other issue was it was all the shit equipment. Yeah. All the old equipment got moved in there. Yeah. But... You know, having been a member of a gym occasionally myself and, you know, trained for a few years, like, I think the biggest thing I tried to get on to, like, pass on to female clients in the gym was, like, everyone's the same. Like, that guy over there probably lacks confidence as well. He's just yeah. able to put out 
an overt sort of idea or he's sending messages that he's confident when in reality he's probably got similar issues it's just he will act a certain way because that's how he, he thinks he's expected to act so just yeah like you said own the fucking space like you have the same rights if you're paying for a gym membership as anyone else regardless of their level or experience or capability or your perception of them they pay the same amount as you you have the equal right to use whatever the fuck you want in any gym and I think in terms of like a weird a weird piece of advice but something I've said to friends and it seems helpful is like there's no uniform in the gym. You can wear whatever you want to wear in the gym. And yep. like some because some some women will be like, I don't want to wear revealing things and I feel like I have to. You don't have to. Or some women are like, I want to wear revealing things, but I'm scared people will look at me. And it's like, no, like the kind of people that'll look are gonna look no matter how you dress. But yep. most people are actually not looking at other people in the gym. Like the, I always say the only person I'm looking at is the guy right beside me he's doing the same exact exercise as I am and even then it's only to see if I'm beating him like that's the only time I'm looking at someone um, otherwise everyone's just d- doing their own shit yeah it is interesting when you start looking at fitness fashion and you know you, you see there's like certain trends especially on the gram oh yeah um and yeah this is you have to wear that and like you don't have to do anything <laughs> yeah yeah, but it is. It's like, oh, I, I want to train in shorts and a t-shirt, and I don't know, and like, is that going to be weird? And it's like, no, because, like, what I see is that men tend to not meet those trends quite as much. Like, there's definitely trends in men's fitness, but like, I see guys in the gym training and all sorts of stuff. I, I was heartbroken the other day because the man that I considered to be my gym crush was wearing Brooks to lift, and I was like, oh, oh my god, he just went oh, down a notch. <laughs> get, get those fucking runs off, champ. Yeah, oh. And otherwise, he's so good. Oh, it's so heartbroken. Oh, well. <laughs> um, but another thing I'm keen to talk about is, uh, it would have been last year, you, um, in a pretty short period of time, decided to do a powerlifting competition whilst you're overseas working. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah, I was overseas for, I think, about four and a half months. And I was in the Middle East. And I was doing a program from... I should have researched this. Christian, the yeah, yeah, T Dog. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, um, French Canadian, whatever. I think French Canadian. Canadian. It's he's, it's an amazing program. That's why I really wish I could say what his name was. I, I yeah. got no one can pronounce it. Yeah, the original program I got from T Nation, and it was like a. It's called Hard Body Training for Women. Yep. It's a ten week program, and so I'd actually done that like the back end of twenty seventeen, and then. When I went overseas, he has a second edition to that that you can find like on forums and it's like what's the next step from that program. So I did that um, and then I was coming to the end of that but I still had like, you know, about five weeks left um, in the job overseas and I'd seen in the gym they were advertising that they were going to have a powerlifting competition and because I am just a maniac like, yeah, if you're going to commit, overcommit, I was like, you know, I sure, I work 13 hours a day. I think now's the time to learn powerlifting. Um, so I... I, I signed up and then I messaged you to ask about coaching. Yeah. So had you said no, I'm not really sure what I would have done aside from potentially make a fool of myself. Um, but, yes, I messaged you and I, and I was brutally honest with you, as I recall. I was like, yeah. look, I've got three weeks. I'm not expecting to win this. Please just let me not embarrass myself or bring shame to Australia. Um, and then, yeah. So then we, you give me a program. And um, as a bit of a side, but that's a really interesting um, approach to competition. 
So, you know, I, I found a, a lot of people are worried about strength sports. They might see powerlifting. It's more so powerlifting. Weightlifting is a bit more niche because it's a bit harder in terms of lift complexity. But um, you still get it with weightlifting where people think they're not good enough to do a competition yet. And, and even strongman, and I don't know about CrossFit as much, but I think, yeah, people have this idea that <clears throat> I'm not good enough. I'm not at that level where I can go to a, a competition because I need to be at... I need to be this good or I need to be that good. But um, like, it's not true. It's a lot of shit. Um, and, and that's a really good example. Like, You just said, fuck it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I better learn what it is. Yeah. Oh, that's what powerlifting is. Yeah, I, I genuinely did. I signed up before I even knew what, which three lifts. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, three lifts. Yeah, I get to pick them. I get to pick them, right? <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't know. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, I think it was funny you say that because that's probably – so I, I am like a very naturally anxious person and I have a lot of imposter syndrome, which we probably can't like get into what imposter syndrome is on the podcast. But if you're listening and you don't know what it is, look it up. But So basically every bit of success I've had in my life, I assume is because I've been lucky or because someone helped me. I don't, I don't ever attribute it to myself. And that's obviously something I work on and I then reflect on, oh, like maybe I'm not a piece of shit and I actually am genuinely successful. Um, but I use it. So because I have that view about everything in life. So any time I think about doing something, my initial reaction is, oh, I'm not good enough to do that. So instead of going, I'm not good enough, so I won't, I go, oh, I'm not good enough, so let's just try. Like, what's the worst that could happen? I cannot be good enough. Like, <laughs> there's no loss. Oh, exactly. And um... and it's got me pretty far. Like, like by the world's measures of success, I'm pretty successful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, um, the, the best thing about actually all strength sports is – and I don't think it's apparent to a lot of people who haven't been exposed to them, but they're extremely welcoming. Yes, absolutely. More, more so than even I had realised when I signed up. Yeah. yeah. And I think people are, are worried that, um, you know, they're going to be embarrassed by their performance, you know, that people are going to judge them at the competition. But in reality, like, everyone has to start somewhere. And most people, if not all of them, don't really fucking care about the numbers you lift, they're actually more impressed that you have the guts to actually try. And they're actually really encouraging. Um, the back rooms of powerlifting meets and weightlifting meets, um, you know, people aren't trying to fuck each other over. Like, yeah. especially at local competitions, they want to see you. Um, they, they, just, they want people to be involved in the sport because you know, they're seeing someone enjoy something else they enjoy. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not like, oh man, that, that person only um, squatted 20 kilos, whatever. They're like, fucking hell, that's mad. That, that person went out and got on stage, got on the platform and had a go. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot more admirable than the sort of numbers. Like we all like seeing people lift big numbers, but at the yeah. end of the day, not everyone can be excellent at whatever sport. Yeah. And if you're an idiot like me, you get interested in a sport that you are not genetically suited to. <laughs> and, and you are never going to be any good but that doesn't matter because I, I, I do weightlifting because I fucking love it. It is just so much fun. It's heartbreaking. It's emotional. It's painful. Um, but I, I enjoy doing it um, for whatever my own weird reasons are. Um, and yeah, I, I, I find it fascinating when I, I you know talk to people and this was a perfect example of you going, hey, I've signed up for a powerlifting meet in three weeks. I'm like, that is fucking cool. 
Um, like, good on you. Like, why wouldn't I support or encourage anyone doing that with any sport? And anything I can do to help anyone um, with something like that, I'm always going to say yes, if you know what I mean. Well, it was, I mean, I did pay you, but. Well, you, well yeah, like, <laughs> duh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, like, I'm not, you know, a charity, you're not running a charity. Yeah. Um, well, it was funny, actually, because when I did it, the, the, the split in how people reacted was really interesting because a lot of people were like, oh, that's really cool and you've been lifting for ages and you'll give a crack like that, a similar attitude to what I've had of like, yeah, you'll have to learn technique and we'll see how you go. But some people were really quite like, oh, do you think do you think you could like you, you could do well in that? And I had to be like, no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we should probably say not only was it three weeks, it was three weeks in which I didn't spend the whole of that three weeks in the same country. So there was a period because I remember making a meme about this on Instagram because I love making memes um, same. where I did um, – I did, what was it? It was something like six of my training sessions were across four countries in three days or something insane. <laughs> yeah. So I was like literally getting off planes and going to gyms where I, like they were completely foreign gyms. I, I really vividly remember being in this quite like um, intimidating gym with all US military where all the all the racks and everything were taken. So what I did, I, I, I had to set up, the bar in the middle of the gym floor and there were no bumper plates. There were, the, you know, those plates that are like hexagons. Um, hexagons. Yeah. Or so they're I, like 12 sided or whatever, but yeah, the hex plates. Yeah. Like the hex plate. Yeah. So I set that up in the middle of the gym um, and just put those on. and was like, you know, doing my best to practice my deadlifts with them. Oh, and it also should be noted that because of how hot it was and the clothes that I brought, but I had a deadlift, I was wearing like short shorts and I was wearing Punisher socks pulled up to my knees to try to protect my shins. Like, if I'd ever been afraid of being looked at in a gym, that experience probably got me over that because, yeah, people are going to fucking look if you do. Yeah, no matter what you're wearing or what you're doing, people yeah. are going to fucking look at you in the gym. So, so I mean, that was interesting. But it was, it was, yeah, it was such a good experience. Though. And it's, yeah, what you say about I, like, I didn't think that people wouldn't be welcoming or wouldn't be supportive. But I just thought it would be like, okay, I don't know anyone. I'll go sit there. I'll just do my thing. But people were so welcoming, like, asking about was it my first meet and, and I found because, um, like, you really prepared me quite well for what it would look like in terms of this is, you know, like the lighting system and all that kind yep, of stuff. Yep. Um, but because I'd said, oh, I just signed up and it's three weeks, I didn't say to people, and I've got a coach because I'm an overachiever. <laughs> Every person I would say that to would be like, oh, just so you know, this is what will happen and this won't count if you do this. And they all would try to help me to make sure I did well. Yep. Um, and I think that's really good. It is, and uh, yeah, I've seen it with powerlifting. I've got other mates that are powerlifting coaches, and, and you know they've gone to meets and they've just seen a random lifter who's not from their club, who looks like they don't know what they're doing, and they'll automatically go, "Hey, mate, what are you doing? Did it a hand? Yeah. Yep, come over here. We'll help you out." Same with weightlifting. So Mark, you know his first meet in October or so, 2017, because you know I was in Brisbane, he's in Canberra. Um, he just turned up by himself without a coach and then another coach, um, Sean from Hammer and Tong in Canberra, just grabbed him and said, hey, mate, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, I'll help you. Yeah. Um, so that's a guy who's not getting paid, not, you know, has his own lifters look after. Like, people will do that. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's phenomenal. I, I just love it. And even when I went to um, my weightlifting comp, um, a couple of weeks back, the same thing happened. Sean just grabbed me and started running my warm-ups. <laughs> He's like, no, you're fucking warming up now. I'm like, oh, i got Mark here as my handler. He's just like, no, nah, nah, I fucking got this. He's doing the um, the counts. Weightlifting has this weird 
counting thing with your attempts. The warm ups are really tricky, and he just he just suddenly started coaching me like halfway through. I'm like, okay, this is just how it is. It, it's really, um, really encouraging, and it's what I love about string sports. They're, they're perceived as these individual sports, but they're actually not. Yeah. You compete as an individual in a group or a team sort of environment or setting, and everyone wants to see people do well. They, they want to see people, see people get good lifts. They want people to keep coming back and doing it more. Um, yeah, but I think there's a perception, and you know, that you see on social media, these big ass dudes doing really heavy deadlifts or doing massive clean and jerks that are ridiculous, and you think that, oh, if I can't do that, then I can't participate. Yeah. But reality, it's totally the opposite i have to say too just because we've also been talking about that kind of perspective like as a woman like there were there were less women competing but that was everyone was very supportive of each other yeah um, but i also found because we the setup that we had the the bigger guys were spotting all women for squats yep um, like because we didn't have enough people to be dedicated like just observers so the bigger competitors were, were spotting us and i'd never been physically spotted for a squat before because obviously you were creating me from from like remotely um and i just remember like really vividly how respectful these guys were of yep. our space and i was like yep they've got to get in close but making a real effort to not do anything that made us uncomfortable and like it was just it just felt very safe and like and there's you could obviously get the old person who would be a creep or whatever but just generally because they take the sport seriously they take that job seriously they're not going to fuck it up by being. No, that's actually a really good point. And like, yeah, people are just like powerlifting. Like, when a dude as a powerlifter offers to spot you, he's not trying to get a casual grope. Yeah. He, he actually wants to make sure you do a lift safely, or she. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I think people. You know, we go back to like women in, in training and gyms in general, but you probably get creepers all the time offering to spot your squats, and it's just creepy as fuck. <laughs> Thank God no one's ever offered to spot me because I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> They get that really weird, like, close to your hips and the hands. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, and that's the thing because it's a very, like, because I'd never, ever been physically spotted for a squat. Um, like, I was like, oh, this is going to be strange, but because they know what they're doing, it's not yeah, strange yeah. at all. Yeah, so- someone basically hugging you is not how you spot a squat. They're just there to stop the bar from killing you and help yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, and I, like, I had to, they definitely had to, like, bail me out at one point. And I, but I couldn't tell you whether they touched me or just touched the bar. Like, I would have no idea. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, normally you just go for the bar. Um, yeah. It's over the top and the sides, just grab yeah. it and rack it. But, um, no, um, uh, I had something, but I always forget because my, my memory is, oh, sorry, my brain's just, like, you know, erratic. Yeah. Um, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have more thoughts about that, about your coaching during that, if you want to hear them. Sure. I'd love to hear about myself. Okay. It's all positive. It's all positive. Um, like, it's, I think like it's worth saying that I'm not an easy person to coach. Like, <laughs> I, um, I, I struggle to understand things if I'm not physically shown them. So yep. you did really well. However you describe things, I was getting it, which for that, that in itself is quite impressive. Um, but I also am openly not compliant with things. Like I remember saying to you, like, if you try to make me do no cardio, I'm going to do it anyway. And so you took that into account and you're like, okay, if you insist on doing cardio, actually, I remember first you were like, why do you do it? Because you were trying to see if it was like, if there was something that could stop me for for three weeks. And I was like, 
I think I, I think I was honest that I was like, I just do it as like stress stress reduction, and because sometimes during the day I eat a, a literal bag of red frogs, and I have to get the sugar out, or I can't sleep. Um, and so then you're like, right, well, you know, don't do it on these days, and you worked it in because you, you'd ask me like, what is my goal? And I was like, it was realistic of like, I'm not trying to win this thing, I'm just trying to give it a crack. So we didn't have to be crazy strict of like, you you cannot run, like you cannot get on the assault bike. Like, yeah, and you know, I think any good coach should do that. That that is, the idea is you take a person and then you force them down a set rigid path. You're dealing with a person, and you know, everyone has their own sort of you know drives and motivations for whatever. And then, as a coach, you, you want to make them better, but you're not going to change someone's perception or their worldview or. Or under, you, know, you need to understand why someone's doing anything really. And if I was to go like stop running, like yeah, you go okay. Like what are you going to do? You're going to go run anyway. Yeah. Just not tell me. Yeah. So that's probably more detrimental. It's like bicep curls with dudes. Uh, I tell a few people this. Like a lot of guys who just said, "Hey, I just want to do a strength program in general." I, I will put bicep curls in their program. Um, not because they're useful. But because they're going to do them anyway. <laughs> you need to have some control. Yeah. And they, they think that the bicep curls, the thing that's going to make their deadlift better or their bench press better or whatever, make them stronger. And it, it gives them an, you know, an intrinsic sort of sense of satisfaction. Big words, I know, fancy. Um, so you're like, well, I'll just get them to do it. And that's something I'm going to chip away at over time. Yeah. I don't need to force someone into it's my way or the highway. And if you work in absolutes, I think you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> um, if you just go, no, you have to do this or you have to do that, you're like, well, that's that's not realistic. And like, yeah. And but you know, motivations and why people do things is important. And it's not just about the physical aspect of this is the best way to prepare you for this competition. It, it has to be this is the best way to prepare you for the competition that you're actually going to do and follow. Yeah. Um, and but, yeah, you always have to consider the individual. Uh, otherwise, training and coaching would be easy because coaching, as you know, it's not just the program. Like any fuckwit can run a program. A- any dumbass can do a quick Google search, get something free, but yeah. being able to turn it into something useful that achieves outcomes, that's, that's what coaching is about. Thanks for listening to today's podcast episode and keep your eyes and ears peeled for future episodes. If you don't already, don't forget to follow Arc Remote Coaching on Instagram and that's my handle, simply at Arc Remote Coaching. You can find us on YouTube. You can also find us on Facebook, but I've had some issues with renaming my business uh, to its actual correct name. So it's actually still listed as Ascension Strength and Conditioning. Don't ask me why. It's a long story. It annoys the shit out of me. And you can also follow Alicia Shamel on Instagram. Her handle is The Geek Psych. And after you finish checking both Alicia and my page out on Instagram, don't forget to check out arcremotecoaching.com. Got a series of articles. I'm adding new content as uh, frequently as I can produce and publish it. Arc Remote Coaching offers individualized strength and conditioning coaching for people who need to be in peak condition, whether that's for sport, for the field as a tactical athlete, whether you are a performing artist or you have a highly physically demanding job or hobby, Arc Remote Coaching offers specialized high-performance services to improve physical performance. We're not going to help you lose 
three kilograms next week for that big do, but we will help you optimize your performance, whether you're looking to improve strength, speed, power, or endurance. Skip the bullshit heart, skip the fads, and actually have a level two strength and conditioning coach accredited with the Australian Strength and Conditioning Association, a level two state weightlifting and sports power coach with the Australian Weightlifting Federation, a level one powerlifting coach with Powerlifting Australia. That's who I am, Pete Darling, all of the above, help you optimize your performance. Stop following bullshit fake Instagram influencers. Get an accredited and experienced strength and conditioning coach to help you optimize your performance. Until next time, peace.